2: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I am the Devi Coordinator at Rotoviz. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And I'm joined tonight by Curtis Patrick, the dynasty coordinator for Rotoviz. You can find him at C Patrick NFL on Twitter. When we've been talking about the NFL being back for for far too long, really. I mean, we've been talking about some some college football prospects, some running backs, wide receivers, just bouncing back and forth, just uh waiting for football to finally get here and now it is finally back and we've uh, already seen some preseason action about to see a lot more but uh, we want to help you guys sift through all the noise that always happens every single year in training camp, every single year in preseason. We get attached to one or two players here or there. There's some hype, whether it's generated at camp or whether it's generated in the third quarter of the, the second preseason game. <laughs> there's, there's always uh, new information this time of year to just help us find value in our Dynasty Fantasy Football Leagues. But, Curtis... Are uh, you yeah, are you just ready for football to be back? Because I I don't even know what to do with my hands. <laughs> don't know, dude.
1: Yeah, I uh I, I feel like I'm just in the zone right now, man. Um, I feel like it's it's the Zach Galifianakis scene from The Hangover where he's sitting at the table and all the numbers just start <laughs> coming down in front of his and he can just see it. <laughs> and I feel like that's where yeah. I'm at with the 2019 season. I think it it's making sense to me. Uh, I'm firing on all cylinders. I feel like I know what's real. I know what's not real. I know which players I like. I know which players I don't like. Um, It's a great spot to be in. I feel like I'm there a little bit earlier uh, this year than I typically am. This is like a third week of August phenomenon that usually (laughs) hits me. So it might be some sort of delirium (laughs) from everything we've had going on at DCC and Rotovis this year. Uh, It could be a little bit of that. Maybe a false sense of security. But uh, really really feeling um great about the the preseason and um the the camp news and the the exciting rookie class that's coming in and and what's happening with their roles so um yeah i, I i'm football is here i mean it's not that i'm ready for it it, it is here we, we've had a preseason game and we've got yeah. a whole slate of them this weekend so uh great great time of year it's like uh christmas eve
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I I can't wait to just dive into uh, the training camp special. Uh, But first, I wanted to just talk about the Debbie Player of the Week uh, because we actually might be talking about a couple of his former teammates uh, on this episode. So I want to talk about a guy that is not getting much love in uh, Debbie uh, circles, or really Power 5 football conversations because he's not in the Power 5, and that's uh, Patrick Taylor Jr. for Memphis, uh, that's that's a name that... Doesn't really ring a bell for a lot of people, and that's probably because everyone is too busy talking about uh, NFL players right now. <laughs> with uh, Daryl Henderson still being a highly coveted rookie, even though he was ranked a little bit further down the initial team death chart, uh, a little bit further than you might have wanted him to be. Uh, and then Tony Pollard, uh, also former teammate of Patrick Taylor, uh, playing for Memphis last year, uh, but he's got a prime opportunity to show his stuff. He's about six foot three. 220. I mean, he's got feature back size. He might be a little bit too tall, but he's coming off a season where he scored 16 touchdowns, over 1,100 yards on the ground, and uh, caught almost 20 balls. And obviously, he was playing second fiddle to uh, Daryl Henderson, who ended up being a third round pick. Uh, but that was that's 1900 yards gone 200 attempts more over 200 attempts gone uh, somebody's going to have to fill that opportunity plus tony pollard who was actually a ball carrier slash receiver slash returner for uh, the memphis tigers last year too so really 290 carries between pollard and henderson need to be replaced and taylor's obviously the guy so a great opportunity for him to rise up draft boards this fall and come out of nowhere and be next year's daryl henderson for a lot of people but uh, that would be my pick but but as for training camp let's just dive in right away because there's a, a bunch to talk about uh, obviously we're not going to cover all 32 teams on this episode but want to get a good start uh, with the training camp special here and for me, personally, I mean, I've been doing a lot of work, if you've been following along, uh, with, with Titans camp, uh, just covering all, all things Titans with uh, everything from the offensive line to the IDP players, uh, Corey Davis, I mean, the, the fact that A.J. Brown's still out. Uh, but more than anything, I think looking at average draft position data right now, uh, it seems to me that, that people are completely fading the Titans offense across the board. Because you look at players like Derrick Henry right now he's hurt so he's he's probably gonna dip here soon Corey Davis and AJ Brown have been dipping since the NFL draft just ever so slightly in average draft position Uh, Delaney's old so his ADP is you know like 180 or something crazy but obviously coming off a season where they only threw like 440 times uh, doesn't look great for fantasy purposes but That was, I was actually, Curtis, I was messing with the new projections tool, uh, that RotoViz just came out with. And it's amazing, by the way. You can do anything that you want, but looking at just even, 2017 2016 and how the titans uh, were passing versus running i think it's very easy to see that they could bounce back in a big way if Mariota's healthy and pass quite a bit Uh, a lot more than 440 times let's just say they get up near league average like 500 pass attempts which is still like 30 below average last season that would you know add 60 pass attempts for the team and and Corey Davis was already at 112 targets last year so you add 60 more targets uh to uh the well obviously he's not getting all 60 but uh, but the pie gets bigger and I think given the personnel once AJ Brown's healthier they're going to probably be passing more and if Derrick Henry is at all hurt during the season they're going to be passing even more so I think uh, Corey Davis fading and in the last five picks according to FFPC drafts he's he's going around Pick seventy six, so we're saying he's a seventh round startup pick. Uh, at this point, that's that's a little bit low, especially given uh, how good of a camp he's having. Uh, Curtis, where are you with with Corey Davis and uh, the Titans offense?
1: Okay, so I, I was actually playing with the Rotoviz projection machine um, to see what would happen <laughs> uh, if we give you said five hundred passing attempts. What what would Corey Davis' yeah. line read? Uh, if he, if he had, uh, 24% uh, market share, that's gonna give him 120 targets, 76 receptions for 965 yards and five touchdowns. So, um, a solid, if not spectacular output. It doesn't get him into a range where I think it would really be a huge, um, a huge boost to his dynasty value at this point. I think he'd he'd almost kind of become one of like, the post 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 hype sleeper guys for the following season you would have (laughs) to you would really have to get up to 520 pass attempts if everything pretty much stays the same on his uh you know per opportunity metrics for him to get into a thousand yard situation you give the team 520 passing attempts we get him 79 receptions a thousand and three receiving yards and still just the five touchdowns so um You know, I I think Corey Davis has returned to the point of of being somewhat of a value, but I don't know what the long-term upside – like, I don't think he has great long-term upside there unless you just think A.J. Brown is a better player. Like, I just don't think that this offense can support two pass catchers the way that we would want them to in in fantasy at the wide receiver position um, until Delaney Walker just flat out goes away or they get a new OC that wasn't a former tight end position coach, uh, that wants to ram the ball down Hmm. everyone's throat with Derrick Henry. So I, I I, Davis, he's not like a buy for me. You know, if somebody was really looking to unload him and, and just wanted, I don't know, a pair of seconds or something like that, or like a, a first, and they're going to give me a second with Corey Davis. Those are the types of things maybe that I, I would think about in the right team context, but, um, I'm not excited about him, but I didn't watch him run around in shorts all week like you did.
2: <laughs> yeah, obviously it helps uh, playing in the shorts and pads. Uh, you can look a little bit uh, better at times, but he's just on a different level than he's ever been this season and and it's exciting. Well, that's, that's definitely got, really got my uh,
1: that's got my interest peaked. If if you're saying he looks different, you've been there at camp, you're in, you're out. I mean that matters to me. I mean you're my you're my podcast partner. I'm going to take your word for some of this stuff. <laughs> So I'm going to have to look a little bit uh, at where I've got them, but I, I'm not going to get crazy um, with this. But may, maybe I'm just going to leave a little room in there to to watch with a critical eye here uh, the rest of the month.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Well, so so that people actually stick with us, we can move on from the Titans because I don't think anyone cares about the Titans outside <laughs> of the middle of Tennessee. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah. What, what backfields or wide receiver competitions have been stealing your attention, uh, this week, Curtis?
1: Well, I, I think the one that's highly actionable for dynasty purposes is, is the Redskins. I mean, all we hear out of Washington is Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin. I mean, he has been the darling of camp at the wide receiver position, the veterans, uh, the coaches, everyone's gushing over, uh, his, his uh, route running. Uh, his, his work ethic, he's making big plays against the first-team defense. Uh, it's not just with Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I think a lot of people want to make that connection that the rookies uh, from Columbus end up on the same NFL team, and maybe the, the chemistry would be something uh, that would be a reason to target Terry McLaurin. But he's doing it with, uh, Colt McCoy and the other uh, quarterbacks there as well. Um, so, you know, you know he... <sighs> Before we even knew what his draft capital was going to be, before we knew that he was going to be in Washington, I mean, I I took him at, I traded up and took him at 212, uh, in the Elite Lemonade Dynasty League football draft, which is a a rookie draft that, I remember that. Yeah, it occurs before the NFL draft. So I've been a McLaurin boy. So this is a little bit of confirmation bias. I can call it what it is. (laughs) Um, by, by typical RotoViz research, standards McLaurin's not a classic guy that we would be on he was an older prospect he didn't hit a lot of the production metrics that we would like uh, obviously misses out on breakout age and things like that but team context still matters opportunity still matters and 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 while he's not a guy that I think is a true number 1 in the NFL for the long haul I think he's very very much in position to have a, a an early career ADP and dynasty value bounce and so uh, if he's out there somehow on a waiver wire in a shallower dynasty league or you have the opportunity to get him as a throw in for somebody who doesn't believe in him, I think he's going to have a little bit of a value rise situation. And it is range of outcomes that if, if Dwayne Haskins gets that job, then McLaurin ends up being his favorite uh, and, and he could be a sneaky value um, Has McLaurin earned uh, any of your attention.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I had the same concerns uh, with the age and the lack of uh, production. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, the team seems to like him. And I think uh, his game, if, if, I think more than anything, it could translate into a splashy deep threat, which from a fantasy standpoint, we just want our players to have value and retain value and uh, to have peaks and valleys and value that we can kind of take advantage of. And I think, Early on in in his career, he's going to have an opportunity to showcase his talents. Uh, He doesn't have much ahead of him, and uh, the the talent ahead of him just gets hurt all the time. So uh, I like his chances to see an uptick in value, and I think that was an absolute steal, at the 2.12 when you look at where he is now uh, in Redskins camp. But uh, I'm not... Not gonna say I'm confident that he's a week in, week out starter ever for fantasy purposes, but I don't need him to be if I'm just trying to move him. If I he's already on my roster and I have, I do have a couple shares because he was cheaper uh, than two point one two in all of my leagues actually. So, so yeah, that, kudos to you for identifying uh, that opportunity and that talent early on. The yeah.
1: FFPc, <laughs> the FFPc main event. So a couple weeks ago, we talked to you about the early draft slot announcement. They are running that promo again. And so the new situation is, if you buy an FFPC main event team and you're fully paid by Tuesday, August 13th, you will receive your main event draft position on Thursday, August 15th, just two days later. I cannot tell you how much of an advantage it is to know your draft spot in a high-stakes redraft league and be able to prepare you can do some mock drafts on any number of platforms. You can research Rotoviz, FFPC Redraft ADP uh, and look at who might be available in, in various rounds through your draft and get an idea what type of structure could work. So again, pay for your FFPC main event team by Tuesday, August 13th. Receive your draft position on Thursday, August 15th. Uh, main event drafts are scheduled to begin on August 23rd. And it's always a good time to mention... To adding a second or third or any number of additional main event teams makes a lot of sense because of the multi team discount pricing. It's only $1,500 for additional entries, a discount of $350 versus your first entry at $1,850. So check it out myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. It's the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. Chase, the half a million dollar grand prize.
2: I could deal with that kind of money. That'd be nice. But you know who else could uh, deal with a lot of money and and is complaining about his money situation right now is uh, Ezekiel Elliott for the Cowboys. Obviously, uh, he said that he's not going to play without a a new contract. And that that is kind of crazy because that would leave that that backfield rather void of uh, at least – You know, household name worthy talent. You know, there's a couple other guys though that right now look to be atop the the death chart. I already mentioned Tony Pollard earlier when talking about uh, Patrick Taylor uh, for Memphis, Uh, Darius Jackson from Eastern Michigan. Uh, There's there's a guy that kind of disappeared for a while, Uh, but those two look like they're in a a decent position. If it is that Ezekiel Elliott does in fact not play this year, Uh, so. I mean, first off, do you think he actually doesn't play this year and just holds out?
1: No, he's going to play. Ezekiel is going to play. The the Cowboys control him for uh, two more years. Jerry Jones has come out and said uh, that they will take care of this. Um, Listening to you know, kind of the big syndicated radio shows today, uh, mothership-style programs they're talking about, that basically, they think when the the Cowboys leave California and re- return home to Texas, which I think is like August fifteenth, midway through the month, that's when they think this deal will get done. That they'll get Zeke to come up from Mexico where he's been training <laughs> and get this thing done. Um, but you know, Hopefully. the team does have a lot on its plate. They're they're trying to do this with Amari. They're trying to do this with Dak. They've got to pay basically pay their big three totally reshape. Uh, what their uh, cap situation looks like and, and their, their team structure in terms of where they're investing their money so a lot to think about if you're Stephen Jones and the rest of the brass there in Dallas but I think Ezekiel is going to play I do think he could miss a game or two depending on the timing of all of this and whether or not the team feels he's in game shape mm-hmm. I think that the biggest thing here is um, there was already a little bit of a sneaky reason to be on somebody else having a secondary role uh, before any of this happened we have a new OC uh, at the helm in Dallas. Um, we saw uh, and, and heard a little bit of intrigue when uh, the Cowboys offensive coaching staff had a chance to deploy Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara together at the Pro Bowl and how much fun they had with that and seeing what different styles of backs could do. And so I find it very interesting that they went out and got Tony Pollard and the skill set that he has. Um, which you could argue is a little bit Alvin Um, Kamara-like. Talented receiver, a little bit of a slasher. Um, And so we're going to go back to the Rotoviz box score scout here for a second and look at some of the comps. Of course, he was drafted in the the early fourth round. Um, Or I guess fourth round, not early fourth round, but fourth round. Some comps that are really interesting here that I like. Kenyon Drake. Naeem Hines, Theo Riddick, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Freeman. Great yeah. comps. Great comps yeah. for a player uh drafted so low. So I mean Zeke's blocking him. So I you gotta look at him more like in the Naheem Hines uh range than um the Alvin Kamara range. But it didn't take long. I mean Mark Ingram was in New Orleans, didn't take long before that became, you know, a one two punch instead of a change of pace versus the main alpha and so anything's possible anything's possible Um, and so pollard is just infinitely more interesting to me today than he was even a month ago Um, just with the way zeke has played the situation and the fact that the team does indeed seem intrigued with pollard now i mean he's getting all these reps in isolation, he's got busted old Alfred Morris in front of him. He's nothing but a grinder. <laughs> I mean, so so if Zeke does miss any games, you know, Pollard getting all these reps and getting a chance to produce and in, in meaningful snaps in, in in September, um, I I think there's a chance here that he could become a guy that was essentially ignored all off season by most um most Dynasty analysts. There was really nobody talking about Tony Pollard even though he got the mid-round draft pedigree just because of where he landed. Everyone just has presumed that Zeke is the one of the, the last – he's like the last dinosaur. He's like one of the last true bell cow backs out there. And he's just going to keep hanging on. And that might not be the case. I mean, there might be room for somebody else to come in here and get 100 to 150 touches uh, in an offense that wants to generally keep games slower. So – very interesting situation with Tony Pollard for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, that would be the most interesting piece for me too. I just think it was funny a couple years back when people were pumping uh, Darius Jackson to see his name pop, pop up again. He's been around for a bit now, but but yeah, Tony Pollard is the guy to own. I think uh, he's already kind of jumped up and should be drafted in every rookie draft if you're somehow not done with that at this point. Uh, but so moving off di- of the... Uh, well, let's let's
1: not move off let's not move off the Cowboys just quite yet. I want to mention one other guy for the deeper dynasty for the deeper dynasty situation? So let's, let's say if, let's let's say Zeke does sit out this year, and the Cowboys do have to go with the one-two punch. All of a sudden, Mike Weber is on the radar. I think that yeah. Weber would Weber would probably be uh, the pseudo Zeke in terms of the, what the role would be. Uh, with Pollard maybe getting even more of the receiving work than he would in, in a timeshare with Zeke just because he he has that much of an advantage versus Weber in that category. But Weber in leagues where you're rostering 25-plus players, 28-plus players, or if you can protect rookies on taxi, uh, interesting. I mean, he's a well-rounded guy, um, reasonably athletic, sub four five forty, over 210 uh, pounds, and um, nothing really to hate about his profile no big holes i don't, I don't just don't think he's elite at anything um yeah. what what did you think of of weber you followed him uh and debbie for several years
2: yeah and a lot of people had him pretty high in debbie rankings for quite some time uh really up until the last year uh, when dobbins kind of started going off um I, if it weren't for dobbins i think weber could have been drafted higher i think he could have had a better finish to his collegiate career and We'd be talking about him in a different light and a different backfield. But yeah, I think if he's given an opportunity uh, in some kind of committee situation, he's shown that he can more than succeed in that type of role. So I think he could be that pseudo seek type uh, if he's actually called upon. But I've, I'm not, I've not found myself investing in him at, at all, besides like uh, post draft uh, draft waiver ads uh, and, and, you know, like you said, kind of protected taxi situations. But it's a possibility. But moving on now from the uh, Cowboys to the 49ers, uh, the wide receiver situation there, looks like it's kind of open uh, completely. Uh, Because you guys, I mean, obviously there's Dante Pettis, there's Debo Samuel, who's new to town. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, his roster spot's apparently in jeopardy. Uh, You've got Jalen Hurd, who the team majorly reached on. Uh, And then you've got Richie James, even Kendrick Bourne, that's slid in some with the ones here recently. So it's kind of a just a mess to try to pre- predict where these targets are going. But I wanted to kick it off with Dante Pettis because he's obviously, uh, there's, there's been a lot of conversation about Dante Pettis and his value and, and whether he can mesh with Jimmy G this year. And we just don't have much of a sample to go off of. Uh, when we were digging it, well, when I was digging into the game splits app for Dante Pettis, I actually found that, you know, he only had really two games with, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and, uh, yeah. he had, 9.3 fantasy points per game uh, and then seven games without him and actually did much better with uh, a 12.13 fantasy points per game obviously it's a small sample size but are you worried at all curtis when it comes to dante pettis one uh, being a favorite target of, of jimmy g but but uh two just anybody having enough targets to be fantasy viable week to week
1: yeah, I'm I, worried. Might not be the right word because I haven't really been on Dante Pettis. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. Didn't really rate him highly uh, as a as a rookie prospect. He just hasn't ever really been a target for me. Even before he landed on the Forty Nineers, um, haven't been able to get there. So I, I'm not in a spot where I'm panicking. Um, I I do have one. I think I have one share uh one share of Dante Pettis. it's not one that I'm depending on um but yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's fair to worry um his rookie year isn't really data we can lean on to, for the points that you mentioned and they continue to add uh with Debo Samuel um who projects as more of a safety valve type player um and we know that he's very talented down in this in the scoring area of the field as well. Um, George Kittle is what moves that offense already. So you know you could argue that whoever even is the wide receiver one isn't the primary target on the offense anyway. And I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit on Jalen Hurd. I won't argue that they reached. I think he he went in the third round, um, and I think that that was earlier than he needed to go. But I think you know with Shanahan's history of these kind of raw athletic. Guys like this, um, and and the big targets. If he if he can get any polish on Jalen Hurd, I mean, Shanahan was a Julio Jones guy. Shanahan was a Josh Gordon guy. Hmm. Um, and so. I'm not saying that's what Jalen Hurd is. I'm like, clearly I didn't say that. So no one's going to, whatever you said them in the same <laughs> sense. I'll, I'll, like, yeah, I'll edit it. I'll edit it to make it, yeah. it sound
2: like you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, um, he is something different than they have anywhere else in the wide receiver or offensive weapon room, whatever designation yeah. you want to give to Jalen Hurd. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I, to me, Pettis was never gonna be a guy that was like 130 targets. Like he wasn't gonna get that. Um, so I, I think other people wanted to go there and say he's gonna be an alpha, he's gonna be a target hog, and so they're freaking out. I mean, to me, he was like an 80 or 90 target guy max anyway. Um, yeah, same. I'm not. I'm not really buying the Marquise Goodwin roster spot stuff yet. Um, we've got one report on that and we've only got, I think, one report that's highly negative on Dante Pettis. And I mean, really all we got was what today or yesterday, Kendrick Bourne tried it out with the ones and and Dante Pettis wasn't with the ones. And I I don't know if we even have all the context. Was it a certain package that they started with? Um,
2: yeah. And I, I I not like more. You don't like to see that at all, but, but I, yeah, yeah. I think,
1: I think this is why, why we get into this training camp stuff. You know, we want to, we're looking for reports that we hear over and over again. We're looking for the trends. Mm-hmm. All right. Four days in a row, so and so is with this unit. Okay. That is probably meaningful. Two preseason games in a row, they played with the second string quarterback. Okay. That is probably actionable. We're not looking for the overreactions to, to one practice. And so if you are Dante Pettis fan, I'm not freaking out yet. Um, but I'm also not here to make you feel a lot better because I'm just not a huge <laughs> Pettis fan no. in general.
2: Definitely, definitely. I, I've i never really been either. I've never thought he was a wide receiver one. And if you look at typical X options, if they wanted to slide hurt into something like that, the dude's like a legit six, four, almost 230 pounds. I mean, coming out of high school, he was one of the most ridiculous athletes. In in the nation, top fifty recruit uh, went to Tennessee. Obviously, was going to be the next big thing at running back, and then had a falling out with the coaching staff. Went to Baylor, and in his first action at at the position, uh, actually had sixty nine catches, and uh, I think it was near a thousand yards or something like that in his first first action at wide receiver. So, uh, obviously, that giftedness at at, uh, and athleticism is there. Uh, I just think that uh, given how raw he is and how much um, he hasn't proven uh, as a true wide receiver, it was an interesting selection, (laughs) but uh, he is something that they don't have because they have a bunch of dudes that are like Dante Pettis that are like Debo Samuel that are those dependable uh, either kind of gadget or underneath types uh, or maybe decent route, route runners, but not necessarily dominating ones. But, Moving on to another team. I mean, my running back one for a long time has been Miles Sanders, and he's finally getting a bunch of credit uh, this preseason. But are we trusting, though, that the Eagles are not going to just committee him anyway? Whew.
1: Well, um, we just talked about that we look for trends in reports, and we've yeah. seen, I think, three days in a row now of increased Miles Sanders usage um, mm-hmm. Reports that he's getting more of the first team work than he was earlier in camp. He's starting to um, get more of those reps. Um, I think we, we've heard a couple things about ball security that they're trying to work on, and I think that was a little bit of a problem for him at Penn State. But um, no, I think I think we have to take this seriously. I think uh, um, we we had a little bit of concern that Jordan Howard um, was going to be like a you know kind of do to Sanders what he did to Cohen um, and and holding capping his upside you know Howard somehow still getting 270 touches or something like that last year in 2018 Um, would he find his way to that in Philly but it's looking more and more like Sanders will be the the if a committee exists he's going to be the lead and he's not going to have to wait until week seven eight nine um, to do it and so that I think that's been priced in for miles Sanders for, for a month or two now. Um, people were late on him early in the evaluation period, but I really feel like since June, um, his price has, has risen and he's been right there in the team picture with everyone, except Josh Jacobs for most dynasty rankers, uh, and drafters, uh, right there in the team picture with, with David Montgomery Uh, as an option at two or three in the class. And I I think that's appropriate. And I think he's going to get a chance to show, uh, to show those skills. But um, the fact that we don't have to wait makes him certainly makes him more interesting redraft candidate. Um, and any of these rookies that produce well in September, I mean, when it's a running back, it's just different. I mean, it could get crazy. Um, for Sanders or Montgomery in particular, because they're just sitting there a little lower than Jacobs. What could happen if he's sitting there? Hey, he's PPR running back nine through the first four games of the season, and all of a sudden he's just he's just shooting up the boards, you know, past guys like on Johnson and stuff like that. I mean, we could see anything happen a month into the season when there's this much uh, um, excitement about a, a player and the, and the profile going into the season. So it probably feels good for you uh, that he's getting this work. Um, we're gonna keep listening um, for these themes out of Philadelphia um, but I think this has gotten to the point where we've got to we've got to pay attention
2: absolutely absolutely De- definitely can't deny when uh, something's consistently uh, going on
1: okay well before we get into uh, just a couple more camp situations let's talk a little bit about Yahoo best ball Yahoo Fantasy has introduced their newest version of the fantasy football game. Of course, it's called Best Ball. It let's get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team and that's it. You don't need to do a thing after the draft. Each week, your top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. There isn't a waiver wire. There are no trades. You don't add or drop players. You don't have to make any tough start or sit decisions. Everyone can start, everyone can sit. It's an automatically calculated lineup. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, it's the draft. Uh, can't get enough of fantasy football? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams on the Yahoo platform this year. You can play for free or play to, for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting. Join a league today at sports.yahoo.com slash It's in the Yahoo Fantasy app. The drafts are quick. Um, and while you're in there, check out Yahoo daily fantasy, uh, with code biz 25, you can get 25 bucks for free.
2: I, awesome. Another, uh, solid deal right there to take advantage of, but, uh, Speaking of back to kind of the the theme of paying attention to things that are consistently happening over more than one practice, Uh, we're not really seeing, well, we haven't had the chance to see that with Damian Williams uh, and the Carlos Hyde situation in Kansas City. Obviously, Damian Williams and his prices has kind of skyrocketed uh, since the end of last offseason last season Uh, but now i mean obviously that uh carlos hyde is there as well as a couple other interesting long shot guys um even today carlos hyde was getting reps with the ones even though damian williams was back and damian williams of course got some reps uh, with the ones again once they got to the goal line situations and things like that i think it just looks like they're easing damian williams back in uh coming off of a uh some kind of injury that, that you know, they don't want to re-injure him um, before the season. Uh, I, when would you start to worry, or, or do you even care again with Damian Williams? Because uh, you, I don't think you were very high on, on Damian Williams at all. But um, when would you start to worry if uh, we continue to see Carlos Hyde with the ones?
1: I'm only worried if Carlos Hyde's getting significant times uh, with the ones, um, and Damian Williams doesn't have any injury setbacks. So, I mean, if, if Damian Williams is presumably healthy and he's splitting time, that's worrisome for me. I, I don't think this is a threat at all. I fully agree no. with you um, that he's just being eased back in. Um, I think Pat Thorman and I had an exchange on Twitter this morning as these reports were coming out. And I said something to that effect. And by the end of the day, he was already getting the goal line sub package work. Um, and Hyde was getting subbed out. So I think it was really truly a comfort level thing. He'd missed, what, upwards of a week of practice or something like that. Um, yeah. it, when you look for the consistent reports, I mean, dating all the way back to what, you know, the team making decisions on who they are going to sign even um, and, and bring back. You know, this team cut Kareem Hunt. They cut Kareem <laughs> Hunt. Um, they did not bring back Spencer Ware who had been there for several years, it was Damian Williams who sta- who stuck around. So even just by the way that they've managed uh, manage their roster, that tells us something. And then they've come out and said, they didn't say we would like for Damian Williams to be the starter. They didn't say Damian played well last year. They said Damian Williams is the starter and we expect him to do well. That's verbatim from Eric Biennemi. So yeah. I'm, I'm in on Damian Williams for a redraft and have been. Um, back in may even though i was already saying that didn't really like damian williams with a fourth round dynasty startup price um because he's just not the type of back that we would expect to have staying power even if even if we like everything about andy reed and him being you know kind of this midas when it comes to uh fantasy football production for his running backs he's an efficiency god basically in that offense <laughs> um Damian Williams. It, it took years uh, for him to to do anything, and he, and even what he did last year is a very limited sample size. And there's there have been consistent reports that the team's impressed with Darwin Thompson, um, and you know Carlos Hyde uh, reportedly looked solid, if not spectacular, uh, spelling Damian Williams, um, uh, one of our new uh, analysts at at viz FF Ball Blast, Kate Magzyuk, um wrote an article, a redraft article on on Damian Williams and basically saying, um, you know, the, the Chiefs offense is just going to be good for all players. So, okay, sure, <laughs> Damian Williams looked good last year, but pretty much anyone would. And I think that's a, that's a fair point. It's like a commonsensical point. Uh, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Travis Kelsey, you got Tyree Kill, you got Andy Reid. You could probably put most people back there and they'd look Okay. So I think that's fair, and and I think that at principle, you can just apply that to the dynasty situation here. At the time that I wrote that article, Damian Williams had an ADP of 47.5, so he's at the end of the fourth round, and he was my fade target of the fourth round. The way that article worked is I went through the first eight rounds of startup drafts and said, you know, here's my most avoidable player in each round. And he was there at 47.5, so even at the end of the round, I didn't like him. And now his ADP on FFPC – has risen to 37 so he's up like almost sure. around since may so yeah. he's even more of a fade in dynasty startups for me now um that we've seen some other people at least look decent spelling him this season but i'm still very much in on him for for redraft purposes and i think he's in certainly in the team picture at the end of round two for redraft just don't just don't want to be investing that type of early capital in a dynasty startup
2: no definitely not but i, I that's i it sounds like we're pretty much on the same page with Damian Williams. Yes, he probably is going to succeed if he's given the opportunity, and it sounds like he's going to be given the opportunity, but I'm not sure how long it, it lasts with the player uh, given his profile. But uh, moving on to a couple more situations here that uh, look look fun or at least uh, somewhat confusing, uh, maybe, maybe both. Uh, Cardinals wide receivers right now, obviously Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, this is probably his last hurrah. Christian Kirk. Looks to probably step up in year two. And beyond that, uh, there's mixed reviews uh, coming out of camp. I mean, Indy Isabella had some kind of knee issue. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson's getting some buzz, uh, having some early team reps. Hakeem Butler had a couple nice, I think he had like one cool one-headed catch or whatever in, in, in camp, but he's apparently had some drop issues still. Obviously, we've talked about this offense before. Uh, This could be a fun offense that supports two uh, receiving targets, maybe three if they have enough volume. Uh, So outside of Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, is it still Isabella for you uh, when you're targeting any kind of player or is there another value uh, you're thinking about there?
1: No, it's still very much Isabella. Um, I think that the injury has not allowed us to see uh, what he can do. It's unfortunate that we haven't seen that. Um, but at the end of the day, the team effectively traded Josh Rosen for Andy Isabella. I mean, that's basically what happened on yeah. on the day of the NFL draft. They traded uh, the guy who was thought to be the savior of their franchise or the the next um, you know the next face of the franchise. For Andy Isabella, I mean, he's gonna get every chance to fail for his first two years. Basically, um, he is a perfect fit for what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do. He runs the types of routes that need to be run in this system. Him and Christian Kirk will be a problem on on across oh, yeah. the field uh, routes. So, I, it, it, we may have to be more patient because he's missed missed the time, um, but he's gonna be okay. I think we we do have to pay more attention to Keyshawn Johnson. Um, especially for 2020 when Larry Fitzgerald's gone, um, they were glowing in their, um, praise of Keyshawn Johnson even right after the draft and said that, you know, they were happy to get him where they got him, that they thought he was potentially the best route runner in the draft. Um, and they had already drafted two wide receivers before him at that point. So that was a little bit of shade even throwing at Isabella and Butler, who they'd already had in tow at that point. Um, so I hmm. think, um, if they're going to be a really high-volume passing offense, they could support three pass catchers. Um, So, yeah, I, th- I think Keyshawn Johnson definitely is stash-worthy. He's probably not out there on on your dynasty waiver wires with the type of weak and press that he got, but worth checking if you haven't. Um, Hakeem Butler does worry me a little bit more now. Um, Sounds like he's had a pretty consistently rough camp. And I I think it would be pretty easy for him to be passed by Keyshawn Johnson permanently, um, and and be stuck as like, you know, like a, almost like a Justin Hunter type that just can never break out. That you know, at, you know, rangy athletic guy that can get some downfield splash plays, but just never can really make it happen. Uh, he's gonna. The, the problem is, you know, after Fitz, all four of these guys are young, and there's something to like about all of them, but. Kirk has already proven it. Isabella has the pedigree. Keyshawn Johnson has the technical skills. Butler's basically a big, fast guy. So mm-hmm. I, he feel he feels like the odd man out here a little bit. Um, you've got a note that I'll toss back to you here. Uh, is Charles Clay interesting? Um, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I think and in, in, maybe, maybe invest maybe maybe in like a twenty eight round best ball format or something like that. <laughs> um I the guy that I'm interested in at tight end there is still rookie seals Jones again. Um
2: okay. fair enough. I just so, don't like so the yeah, guy. So, so I just yes. had to ask a question.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I no, we should we should care in Dynasty um who gets the receiving uh, tight end role in Arizona. We should. I mean you should be paying attention, whoever wins that. Um, but I just I mean Charles Clay is not gonna be the long term solution. Um, he's probably a hedge on Seals Jones not being able to develop uh, as they wanted him to, and, and didn't they bring in Max Williams? I think they brought in Max Williams uh, as well, but uh, I, he hasn't done anything in, in years uh, despite his draft pedigree. So I know Scott Connor of Dynasty Command Center, he's really been touting Ricky Seals Jones as basically a, a must roster type guy, um, and and kind of put him back on my radar there do you like Charles Clay?
2: I mean I, I always have uh, but okay. uh, obviously he's he's getting past his prime and he's probably just kind of like you said a an insurance policy if uh, it is that RSJ is really just not going to um, be in a good enough spot to to contribute on every down. Uh, and I think Clay has has shown that he can do that. He just obviously w- was wasted on on the Bills and uh, for far too long. So, uh, like many players have been, but obviously, if if you're just talking about somebody who's probably on, on waivers, that's uh, somewhat interesting. I just was looking at that opportunity, and if if he accidentally slips into some opportunity there, I, I feel like he can immediately succeed. But obviously, that's like <laughs> deep, deep uh, stuff, uh, d- deep league stuff right it's there for with clay, your, but
1: it's for your like start 14 players per week dynasty league <laughs> I, the, pro, the yeah the pro, the problem with clay for me yeah. is i wouldn't i would basically need to see like a month of the production before i'd feel like mm-hmm. i could start him. um just because yeah been you so wouldn't long. feel good about it yeah it's a, yeah. A, it, that's that's my main issue there um yeah. but yeah yeah certainly still lots to settle in uh, the Arizona receiving core. You're you're right. I mean, I this won't be the last time we talk about him this month, I'm sure.
2: No, definitely not. The, the, we'll, we'll probably have a, a different news cycle after this weekend and all the games and everything that we'll have to kind of tackle again. But uh, moving on to just a couple more teams that uh, are interesting just because of uh, injuries and uh, and uh, high-flying offensive purposes. But Evan Ingram looks like he's set to explode for uh, the New York Giants this year. Uh, obviously, Golden Tate, his – suspended for a little bit. Uh Shepard obviously his he, he had a, a issue with his thumb, is still looking like he's having issues there. Uh, even like uh the the rookie Darius Slayton just now got back healthy. Uh he was a fifth round pick, but he kind of has a unique skill set that no one else on the team really has, uh being that vertical deep threat. Uh, there's a lot still going on and a lot of targets to be had. Obviously, OBJ left 124 targets last year, um, and really other players outside of those guys presented about another 60 targets. So we're looking uh, over 160, 70, 100, over 188 uh, available targets to kind of split between Shepard, Ingram, and uh, Tate, and whoever else they kind of fill in the blanks with or early on in the season. Uh, are you targeting any one of those players specifically obviously Evan Ingram brings the most expensive price tag uh but is is Shepard a value or Tate? just because yeah, I, I I don't know really where I stand exactly across the board I actually have four shares of Darius Slayton just because he was dirt cheap but who's your yeah. favorite to buy right now
1: well, uh, the application changes it all. So I think, um, we were talking before the show about Evan Ingram, particularly on FFPC where it's tight in premium, um, probably is deserving of a little bit of a rise. He's still in the fourth round. Man, it, it it's hard to not see him like, like, how does he not get eight targets a game? Yeah. Like, it yeah, just, I like, I I just wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's just like, it's hard to see him not smashing, uh, especially the first month of the season when Tate's suspended. Uh, they're just going to be really challenged, um, for, for weapons, especially if Shepard's not fully healed. So, um, In- Ingram, if you can find a little bit of a discount on him, um, this could be the last time you get a chance to buy him. Yeah, once, once, once dynasty tight ends fully break out, you really can't buy him. It like becomes cost prohibitive, and you just try, try to find the next one. So might have a slight window that hasn't slammed shut yet there on him. I think he is a target. Um, Golden Tate, if, if, if he's a throw-in and, and an offer that comes your way, great. Um, especially if you're a contender, he's going to be devalued because he's not giving you anything in September um and you know i I think the way the new york giants offense is going to run at least until daniel jones takes over is basically going to be eli manning dinking and dunking to all these guys (laughs) who rack up the yak and golden tate fits that mold even more so than sterling Shepard golden tate's like an all-time great uh yak wide receiver and so i think for people that can be patient or can get by that first month without him he could come and really be a boost in your flex spot um you don't want to go out and make an offer specifically for him because then you've shown your hand and you're going to pay uh, above fair market for him. But if you can get him at it into a deal, great Sterling Shepard. Um, I would value him similarly to Tate, um, but just with slightly lower single season upside at this point. Cause I do think like by, by playing style and by his function in the offense, he's just not going to be a wide receiver one. Like he, he belongs as um, like an average level wide receiver two. That's where he really needs to be. Um, and I, I did draft a share of him. I want to say I got like an eleventh round share of him and a startup um, this offseason that I feel pretty good about. Like as a wide receiver five, I think on that team. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. That's about how I value him. Um, I don't have any Darius Slayton. Um, you, you were talking about him way even back, uh, last winter. And so I, he's just not a guy I ended up with because there was, you know, he, I think he was even outside our top 50. Um, but certainly somebody that we had at least talked about. Um, so, but I, I don't have any of them and, and don't really have a take. I, I think when Tate and Shepard are, are healthy, uh, they're clearly in front of Slayton Ingram, is going to be a top target on the team, and, and Barkley is probably the favorite to lead the team in targets. So, uh, for Slayton, for me, would be wide receiver five on a probably what's a bad offense.
2: Yeah, and and that's that's fine. I I just he was basically free. Uh, Just intriguing given uh, he fits a a role there that they don't have. But, yeah, I'd say Ingram, I I definitely agree that uh, he's about priced out. (laughs) But uh, you might as well fish around, especially if you're in some kind of premium situation and his value is not maxed uh, there just yet. But going to close out with just one more team that has an intriguing tight end in the Buccaneers. Uh, Chris Godwin and obviously O.J. Howard, uh, have been the focal point of a lot of discussion, um, really just a bunch of, of hype for both players. But obviously, they still have Mike Evans. Uh, he's probably going to garner a few targets this year as the lead option. Uh, I saw some really bad takes a while back with Chris Godwin potentially overtaking <laughs> Evans somehow. Uh, I won't even pull those names out because that's just not worth it. But. Um, Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard, though, actually performed uh, in the past couple of seasons worse uh, with Winston than without him uh, from a fantasy output uh, perspective, both of them seeing about three, three and a half more fantasy points per game uh, without Winston at the helm. So uh, are you at all concerned that people are probably pricing them out a little bit too early?
1: Well, first um – what you're kind of doing there is giving an unknowing hat tip to the goat Ryan Fitzpatrick. What we're saying is that Ryan Fitzpatrick helped <laughs> yeah. Chris He's... Godwin and OJ Howard uh, to some of their best games, um, <laughs> uh, especially last year. And so you know we can't we can't ignore that. But
2: um, can so, I just say I, I I had somebody ask me who the best Titans uh, quarterback was in history. And um, my initial response was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick
1: for, for the <laughs> Buccaneers. Yeah. So you, yeah, you don't me, like no. cream. Yeah. You don't like creamsicle Steve Young or Vinny Testaverdi. We're going to we're going to go uh, with no. early 2018 yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> oh, obviously a joke, But Brad Johnson. Um, OK, so. OK, we talk we talk about let's go back to themes. Um, since Bruce Arians arrived, uh, they've basically been gushing about Chris Godwin. They haven't shut up to shut up about Chris Godwin. Um, I would be shocked if his role didn't grow now, whether or not he's going to, I don't think he's going to overtake Mike Evans. I don't think that, um, that's going to happen. Mike Evans is, is truly on the elite level. Um, and is it probably something more of a, a downfield weapon? Um, even then we'll see from Godwin it sounds like Godwin, maybe will be more of a move receiver, um, and, and play a little bit of a different role and, and therefore will not be taking some of those high value downfield targets from Mike Evans. But, um, I, OJ Howard's tougher for me. So I, I will say this. I think Godwin's press is probably warranted. I'm not paying what he's currently going for. Uh, yeah, that ship has sailed. And I didn't end up buying any uh, when he was on his way up. O.J. Howard's more problematic because I – how much volume is there going to be? Um, and if if Godwin and Evans are really going to like both be top 24 receivers, which is what a lot of people would have you believe, that you know, maybe mm-hmm. they're going to have a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two on the same team. If you think O.J. Howard is going to be a top five tight end, then you should be – sprinting to buy every share of Jameis Winston that you can because like these guys can't all smash without Winston rebounding. Ryan McDowell had a really interesting uh, tweet today that basically showed I think every year since Winston became a starter he's had a worse fantasy finish Uh, and he was pressed by a couple followers on you know what did he think would happen this year and he did say that he thought Jameis Winston would bounce back and I, I think it would be unlikely that Jameis Winston wouldn't improve to some degree, versus his performance, especially over the last two years. Bruce Arians has pretty much had productive quarterback play wherever he's gone. Um, and Byron Lefwich has really gotten a lot out of his quarterbacks and has looked to be a very competent offensive coordinator, uh, play caller when given the, the chance and small sample sizes. So I, I guess I'm like hesitantly bullish on the Buccaneers' <laughs> offense. Um, but I can't, I can't pay the OJ Howard price. Like, I feel like he's going to be like the Deshaun Jackson of tight ends. Like, if you don't get the big touchdown, like, he he is going to score eight PPR. Um, so it's, he's going, he's going too high for what he actually is. Like, I feel like he should be. For this year, uh, it's hard for me to rate him above like Van- the Vance McDonalds of the world. Uh, for this year, because oh. he's not going to have that type of he's not going to have that type of target volume. Yeah, I mean Vance Ma- Vance McDonald should get like thirty targets more than OJ Howard. I mean, he's probably going to get an extra two targets a game. But I mean, even like on a look forward basis, like there's a tear break after Evan Ingram before OJ Howard for me. And it's it's all based on the volume. The floor is so much different for these players, I think. Um, you kind of tipped your hand with Godwin, but where are you on Howard?
2: With Howard, I, I, I do believe in his uh, ability and his athleticism and his, uh, his role uh, to score uh, this year. I think he's going to have a, a decent uh, touchdown number this year, but I think you're right, week to week. I'm not sure that he gives you a, a, a lock for uh, that advantage positionally uh, over just uh, whoever you're streaming at tight end, uh, just because we've seen so many different tight end ones all the time. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it, for me, it's like I, I'm fading tight end generally unless I have one of the top, top, top options. So uh, I'm not really on paying the price with Howard and I'm not really on paying the Godwin price either because it's just a little bit above where I think he's going to settle target wise this year and next and really ever Uh, but definitely a couple guys that are intriguing if uh, you know if their price does dip because they don't immediately see the the numbers that uh, the fanboys are projecting uh, I think that they could dip and, and be a value early on in the year uh, if they they have it, you know if they just have one or two disappointing weeks, but that's that's about all that uh, we have time for uh, on this week's episode. We'll have plenty more camp discussion and uh, value fluctuation talk, I'm sure as the preseason progresses. Uh, but uh, definitely check out again. We always say this, but. It's a great community of awesome people. Check out the premium Slack uh, at DynastyCommandCenter.com. More and more people happen in there every day. and I just love seeing the discussion. A lot of people uh, just hop in and observe for a couple days, and then they'll kind of throw uh, their trades here and there, their, their lead questions. There's just a channel for every single purpose that you could uh, want for Dynasty purposes. But uh, thanks again for joining us uh, for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. Again, you can find Curtis on On Twitter at CPatrickNFL, I'm Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. And I hope to uh, just reach out and get to know uh, all you guys on uh, the, the premium slack here soon or just finding us on Twitter in the near future. But until next time, keep living that dynasty life.